Hi everyone, welcome back to Sustainability Speaks. We are your hosts, Stasia and Saskia. So on today's podcast, podcast number three, we'll be discussing how sustainable can growing companies really be in a capitalistic environment. So before we start, we'd just like to apologise if you hear any background noise, our neighbours are having some work done and there's nothing we can do about it. Um, so sustainable investing is the process of investing in sustainable companies or funds. Um, some people call these ECGs. We'll be referring to this throughout the podcast. This stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. Um, this is also just known as ethical investing. So we're, a company we're going to focus on is Oatly. And Oatly is an oat milk brand that has been around for a lot of years now. It's actually a Swedish brand from the 90s. And people really like it because it tastes great and also it's better for the environment than almond milk because it uses less water and produces less carbon emissions. So there was a big surge in the um, demand of Oatly because in 2018 there was a shortage. Um, this obviously made oat milk seem prestige and increased demand and then they couldn't keep up with the demand and needed an investment. Yeah, so as a result of this, Oatly faced a lot of criticism for selling 10% of its shares to a private equity firm called Blackstone, uh, which is an American firm. And this was controversial because last year or two years ago, Blackstone invested in a Brazilian company um, who was known for contributing to deforestation of the Amazon, which obviously isn't very sustainable. And equally, this year, Blackstone invested in in the presidential campaign of Donald Trump, which equally isn't uh, sustainable because Trump pulled the US out of the Paris Agreement, which is something we discussed on the last podcast. So therefore, this obviously wasn't a good reflection on Oatly's sustainable business strategy. Although Blackstone did defend itself and stated that the Brazilian company didn't contribute to deforestation and that the accusations were baseless, um, they also said that they actually did invest in Joe Biden's campaign in parallel, um, but overall this wasn't a good reflection on Oatly. Yeah, definitely not. I think investing in politics anyway is quite a controversial move, so I'm not really sure why they would want to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lobbyist that Blackstone also hired, he had ties with Trump. And again, I think in the States, politics and business very much um, are intertwined. Yeah, that's that's true, much, much more than it is here. So really, we're just going to be debating whether this was the correct thing for Oatly to have done. In my personal opinion, I think that it was a correct thing to do because they needed the investment basically and without investment then they can't grow and if they can't grow then they can't help shape the future of milk yeah i mean they needed a very big investment i think they needed uh 400 million dollars which obviously is quite a lot of money um equally oatly did um publish an apologizing statement i think they tweeted it and they pointed out that a they needed an investment to grow their sustainable brand because there was a global demand for their product which you know saskia did say that in 2018 there was a massive shortage um and also they said that through this they want to encourage other private equity giants to invest in you know sustainable companies and um raise the popularity of green investment forbes magazine actually did a survey on this and um, they spoke to high network institutions or individuals which are people or individuals estimated over one point just one million dollars 
Um, and what they found was 76% of these people believed in ESG investing, but actually only 12% of these sought it out. So I think that just proves your point, um, Stasia, that although people do believe in investing in ESGs, they aren't actually doing so. And really, it's probably best to just take every investment you could get at this point. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But also, you know, considering the counter argument of this, um, a lot of consumers, you know, who used to buy Oatly's product, they're actually now boycotting it. And I can see, I can see where they're coming from because I feel like regardless of needing investment, obtaining money from sources which aren't, you know, known to be sustainable, in the long run, it can actually damage your your reputation. And obviously, as we've touched on in the past, like the prevalence of social media, you can't really hide your investments um, because social media forces companies to be a lot more transparent, hence why how we found out about, you know, Blackstone investing into Oatly. Um, and also, I would argue that if you're if the marketing point of your company is sustainability and a lot of people and individuals, so consumers who also care about sustainability a lot of the time they do do their due diligence on the company and their investors therefore you very much can um damage your reputation and your long-term profits for you know the short-term gain of an investment um although i personally disagree with this because i think that if you're a sustainable brand even if you're getting money from an unsustainable source you just turn it around and um for your for the good for your good cause yeah definitely because also the thing is if you're really that bothered about um in the investors in like the um, non-dairy industry then it's a question of how far do you go because even if you buy oat milk that from aldi that's aldi's home aldi still uses a lot of plastic they still are contributing massively towards climate change all these big giants are still having impacts regardless of what they are doing so that just comes down to the point of should you make your oat milk at home or should you buy it out from the supermarket yeah but then also with that it's like okay so are you getting your oats from a sustainable place or do are you buying your oats and they come in plastic do you know what i mean it's never ending really. yeah exactly it's never yeah. it's never ending yeah i mean i think i agree with a statement that Oatly put out themselves and they said even though you know Blackstone's uh, business model doesn't fully agree with us we needed the investment and we are using it to further to further in our sustainable business so you know it's just very it just comes down to individual interpretation of it and also you've got to think about what Oatly will do with this money so when Oatly grow bigger and they become um, a large company, I would hope that they would then use the money that they have to invest in smaller companies that are sustainable. And then that's sort of like cleaning the money from the investment companies that aren't as sustainable. And it's just helping to contribute towards a, a cleaner future, even if we can't have one right now. Exactly. And also kind of bringing this back to, you know, consumers and consumers doing their due diligence. Obviously, there's the whole concept of consumers being able to regulate the market and, you know, establish good competition amongst other producers if they only purchase from uh, sustainable brands, uh, you know, which have like certification labels such as the FSC or the EMAS label. Um, and then essentially they push out all the rest of the producers who uh, do, don't have sustainable labels. But then... I think there's very few people who actually know about certifications and labels and about, you know, beyond just 
a brand's a marketing campaign and you know actually go and do their research about their investors because you know even if you're listening to this podcast now like have you heard of fsc do you know what it does like i mean i didn't know about it until quite recently you know it's all about actually taking the time um and doing your research and a lot of people are lazy and because of that they're misinformed and they actually don't purchase from sustainable brands i didn't know about this until we did the research for this podcast and i would claim to be quite a sustainable person so i think that just really shows that we are kind of brainwashed as a society into just buying the easiest and most affordable option which i mean it's not even just brainwashing really it's just quite obviously like logically the best option especially if you're not even if you're just a student but if you're on a budget or maybe you like to spend your money in other ways other than food then why would someone want to spend extra money um for the same product yeah exactly and i guess this kind of brings us on to the next kind of part of our podcast in terms of um, who we think should regulate the market and promote sustainable products so there's three kind of parties that i would like to talk about so it would be the state corporations or consumers consumers we've already touched upon obviously if consumers know who they're buying from then they can encourage positive competition um, and in kind of out the companies who aren't sustainable but then it comes down to you know how much you know and whether you actually can prioritize buying sustainable products as opposed to ones which aren't and people are selfish and also people do need to prioritize you know their kind of well-being in terms of money you can't kind of go out and spend all your money on sustainable products which are usually more expensive so no definitely not and i think by people expecting people to do that it's um sort of classist in a way because you're then blaming the poorer people in society for not being sustainable when actually they just can't afford to be yeah and i mean also this made me think like how we've touched upon this i think in our very very first podcast how if you're buying sustainable products usually they last you longer in terms of but i feel like that only comes down to clothes but if you're buying perishable goods such as food or oat milk if it's not sustainable if it's like if it is sustainable it's not like it's going to last you any longer so how are you actually benefiting in the long run do you know what i mean yeah not at all i mean i buy my oat milk from aldi um i will admit that so when it's gone it's gone it doesn't make a difference what brand it is and then the other question is should the state regulate the market and regulate sustainable products well the state i mean the government um, not the united states (laughs) yeah 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 and i mean the state is seen as the cause of the problem and the solution because obviously the state can enforce certain regulations on how corporations should manufacture their products and ensure you know they have a certain Um, level of sustainability incorporated into their business strategy Um, but also you need to consider the fact that the state aren't scientists therefore there is a major information miscommunication and information gap between how much they actually know of what is affecting the environment and to what extent and at the end of the day as we've seen you know with the coronavirus um, the state prioritizes the economy and if prioritizing the economy means you know allowing companies to operate in a way which isn't 100 percent sustainable then my belief is that you know they will do it yeah they definitely will do it's like you said we've seen it throughout the whole pandemic even when 
we look back on the history pre-pandemic the the state always does prioritize money and it's logical to an extent but we're getting to a point in time now where the state's going to have to start investing in sustainable capitalism or we we just we're not going to work as a state and actually the guardian said something um related to this they said that we need to make the change and make sustainable capitalism work or wait for the consequences to make the current one collapse and i totally agree with that you know it's very true because at the end of the day it is very much up to the state to regulate because they are the ones who uh, make the laws. Yeah, they have the power and they have the power to change this. And although obviously we're not going to end up in a period of time in the next five years where we are sustainable, it's just unrealistic. But I think by working towards sustainable capitalism is definitely the right way to go. And then the third actor who can potentially regulate um, the market and make uh, production more sustainable is the corporations themselves. So now I would like to bring attention to section 172 of the Companies Act 2006, which basically states that directors of companies need to ensure that they manage the company in the best interest of the shareholders, but equally give consideration to environment um, amongst other stakeholders. And this obligation is also coupled with um, the fact that they need to produce annual reports regarding their compliance with this section. Um, But I would also argue that this isn't a hundred percent effective because if they're not complying with the section yes they can um, experience reputational damages uh, but the only people who can actually bring a claim um, are the shareholders themselves and usually if they're being benefited then they're not going to do that and additionally actually the wording of the section states that the directors only need to consider the environment amongst you know other stakeholders if it benefits the company so even though the section should promote um, sustainability and you know just people uh, directors complying with corporate social responsibility realistically it's um you know it's still very ambiguous but with that being said, um, there's actually been a trend of NGOs buying shares in companies and then actually being able to bring claims against directors, um, you know, if they breach Section 172 and actually like severely harm the environment. And in addition to this, there has been um, a big kind of emerging trend of uh, companies actually signing up to um, initiatives such as EMAS, which is the EU Eco-Management and Audit Scheme, which, as I said, corporations can sign up to voluntarily and essentially is just a certification which proves to consumers that um, the company has produced uh, and manufactured their product in a sustainable way. And then, as we previously mentioned before, there's also the FSC label, which stands for For Forest Stewardship Council. And they essentially, um, if a company, if a product has this label, it signals to consumers that the product has not been uh, manufactured in a way that's destructive to the forest. And I would argue that obviously these are really good initiatives, but as we said in the past, you are once again relying on consumers to go out, do their research about these certifications and sure that they buy products which have these labels and therefore encourage the um you know appropriate competition but equally you know as we said that's quite a lot to expect from people 
So not to sound like an essay, but just to conclude, to recap what we've spoken about in this podcast, we agree that Oatly should have taken the investment from Blackstone because sustainability, sustainable business is a new trend. So there's not many investors who have a sustainable strategy. And like we said earlier, only 12% of investors who are interested in sustainable business actually did invest. Um, so what really matters is that these companies then use the money to develop sustainable market and hopefully in the future they can use the money that they made to reinvest in other sustainable companies which will enable to house to have a brighter future yeah that was a brilliant conclusion to us um, so yeah thank you very much for listening and we will see you next week bye